here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jake Tilko with Rocky Mountain Construction, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Adam Sandy with Zamperla, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. How's it going? This is Kyle Smith, the manager of Creative Show Operations here at SeaWorld Orlando, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Grace Peacock, Director of Communications at Canada's Wonderland, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Andrew Locke. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew, one of the executive producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. Today, we've got not one, but two very special guests. Way back in 1973, two interesting events happened. For one, I was born in November of that year. Much more interesting than that, though, about a month prior, the theme park haunt was born at Knott's Berry Farm. Indeed, Knott's Berry Farm is the longest running theme park haunt in the world. Today, we're going to talk about two of the newest creations that Knott's Berry Farm put out to the world. Coaster Challenge Podcast is proud to welcome back from Knott's Berry Farm, show writer Jeff Tucker. And joining Jeff today and new to the podcast is scenic designer Daniel Miller. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. I should say welcome back, Jeff, and welcome, Daniel. Hello. Good to be back. Awesome to have you guys. We're excited to talk all about haunts today. It's haunt season here, and we love haunt season, so this is going to be fun. So, of course, Jeff, you know, you've been on the podcast before. We know who you are. Uh, so I'm sorry. You know, the first thing. <laughs> Appreciate the apology. <laughs> but uh, Daniel, you know, you're new to the show here. So just to start off here, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience working in the theme park, the haunt industry? Um, I've been working at Nuss Berry Farm uh, for 25 years. Actually, a little bit more. I started as a monster uh, around three to four years before that. Then I got a graduate degree at NYU for set design. And uh, when I loved Nuss, my experience working as a monster and not Scary Farm. So I actually applied back and as Kismet would have it, they had an opening for design and it was not just design, it was actually creation of the mazes. So I, I just said, yes, this is perfect. So I, I jumped on the opportunity and I've been here since 25 years. I've designed around 25 of the mazes. I say that's probably plus or minus uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, so I, I've done a lot, so I, I, um, it's it's more than a job for me. It's a passion. So uh, you know, I, I I probably even do it for free. Don't tell my bosses that. <laughs> so, um, but that basically, I just love to scare the bejeebas out of people. So that's awesome. That's really awesome. So, so, so you said twenty five years there at Knott's Berry Farm, and maybe a few years before that as a scare actor. Yeah, I, I was actually, I'm not a scary farm, uh, a scare actor. And 
before that, in college, I was a, a scare monster too at a little haunted house at UC Irvine. So, oh, interesting. Okay, uh, okay. That's where I got the bug. Is that I came Oh, wow. And it was like the Star Trek Association of Irvine uh, was holding a haunted house, and I love Star Trek, so I joined that club. And part of being in that club is you, you're a scare monster. And I previously loved Not Scary Farm uh, as a guest. And I just... You know, and my mom loved horror films, just absolutely adored horror films. Nice. It took me at a very young age to horror films. So getting scared and having frights was uh, always built into my life. And, uh, you know, so, but concentrated down the last 25 years working for uh, entertainment design and not scary for him and designing uh, just a, a lot of mazes. Nice. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned the Star Trek Association. That's uh, certainly Star Trek is something that you, Jeff, and I all share, all big Star yeah. Trek fans, sci-fi fans, of course, in general. Uh, you said the Star Trek Association wanted to, wanted to sponsor a haunted house? They they actually put on the haunted house, and they put on an alien type of haunted house. And it was really cool. Oh, yeah, really? I, yeah, what? Was it no, no, I'm just saying that. It's, it, I just, what I'm getting at is it's interesting because Star Trek is not normally a horror-related. Yeah. I mean, some of, some of the movies the Borg, you know, can get a little edgy, but yeah, not really a haunt area. Yeah. So uh, the group was very eclectic. It was a science fiction of all kinds, and they also love the movie Alien. So uh, we have a maze very similar right now called Dark Entities uh, about uh, going through uh, uh, abandoned alien ship. And that's basically yes. what the theme was of this maze that was in this mall that we put on. So it was very sci-fi related uh, maze. So nice, nice. That's awesome. That, that sounds fun. Very cool. So given kind of I'm doing math here and it's it's already kind of later in the day when we're recording this for me. So my math might be a little bit off. But but Jeff, did you start at the farm around 94? Is that right? 94. Yeah. OK, good memory, because I remember you told me that in the interview a year ago. So so you guys started there right around the same time, at least as a scare actor for you, Daniel. Yes, and then, OK. As a scare actor, in the 98, I came back as a designer. Right. Okay. So you guys have worked together quite a bit. and mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So that's why it's okay for you to be in the same room together. You guys play play well together. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Very good. Well, thanks, Daniel, for explaining that. I'm. Uh, I, I, that's tremendous experience. You know, just like Jeff does. Jeff has. I mean, you know, the hanging, being around for years, and all the other things Jeff's done, and. You know, and, and you know, be it's to be exciting to talk to both of you about uh, about uh, the things that you guys have done more recently, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But before we do that, just kind of as we typically do in, the, in our podcast, just kind of talk about a couple general things. We're not going to talk about coasters or thrill rides today, or or, or you know any kind of attractions per se uh, at the normal Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, we're really going to talk about not Scary Farm only, and and perhaps go beyond the farm to other haunts that you guys have been to. So uh, first question, I you know, certainly would like both of you to answer this, is what would you say is the one haunt in your life, you know, the maze, or it could be a scare zone, it could be some special thing that you've been to that has, has really freaked you out the most, scared you the most? You want me to go first? Go first. Did I talk about this on another show? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think we did, Jeff. Yeah, no, we I'll, did. I'll let you know if <laughs> We talked about when I was a kid going to one of those... Uh, bump and go haunted houses at, a, at the carnival and yeah i just i hated it because i could tell it was one room 
and that the, the car was bumping into a scene and the, the light and the buzzer would sound and a monster yep. lurch forward. Then it would just turn and do the same thing. And I remember thinking, I've been cheated. Like this was four tickets and I've been cheated because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> because I'm so used to the little rascals had an episode where they go in a haunted house and it's the greatest thing you've ever seen where right. skeletons come down and there's a guy playing a piano. And uh, there's also a really good one in the movie Ed Wood that's kind of reminiscent of that old school stuff, which only exists in your imagination because right. it was never really like that because the one thing you learn doing it, and Daniel can attest to this, is you can come up with anything you want, but it has to be reset within two seconds for the next guest right. coming in. And the reset's right. the killer every time. But yep. Yep. Uh, the, the, the most, the scariest one I can remember was I, I grew up in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and trick-or-treating was like a rite of passage. Nowadays, like I open my house up Halloween night if I'm home, there's maybe 20 kids. It used to be like E.T. You'd go out and there'd just be kids everywhere, yeah. every costume. And uh, Halloween uh, prior to 1988, maybe, was one night. One night you went out for yeah. Halloween. Uh, this idea of, I mean, oh my God, Halloween stuff is in stores now. And uh, right. we're, record we're recording in August. So Halloween has been stretched beyond its breaking point, I think. But talking about going out for trick-or-treating, like the, the week leading up, you got your costume, you got ready. Uh, it's uh, The reason I bring it up is um, I get asked, I am I, very big in the Back to the Future fan community. Oh, yeah. I've even written a book about Back to the Future. And uh, in the context of Back to the Future, it's October 26th in Hill Valley. And there's no Halloween right. decorations. And younger people today ask, well, where are the Halloween decorations? And I always say, nobody decorated until the 29th or the 30th. <laughs> Halloween was not a big deal back then, but it was a big deal the night of trick-or-treating. And my friends and I used to go out as a big group. I would always have some variation of a Star Wars costume. And we went two streets behind where this guy would set up this yard display, which was a big deal back then. Because again, Halloween was not big as far as displays and stuff the way it doesn't rival it didn't rival christmas the way it does now but this guy had a, a i think he had a gorilla on his porch you know and a couple of pumpkins and some of those light up in uh, uh blow mold things and when we went up to get the candy somebody jumped out of the top of a van like a moonroof and he had a samurai sword and he started swinging at us and i'll tell you i thought i was dead oh. i thought this guy's gonna kill us and we must have been 10 or 11, and we just ran screaming into the night. Sounds, and I sounds like episodes couldn't do. Does it really the, the van? <laughs> so, like, wow, wow. We, we took off running down the street. So, yeah, no, it was terrifying. And that sort of cemented this is a thing, you know, you wouldn't it wouldn't manifest until I was in high school, but that was the moment Halloween became a big deal. Wow, that's really something I think. What was key to that, Jeff, is that you were least expecting it. You know, you, you go into a haunt, you know, you go into Not Scary Farm, and it's pretty edgy, but, you, you know, you're expecting it. You're expecting, you know, the, the the intensity in the houses, even the scare zones and the sliders yeah. and all the fog. And, you know, and, and it's still wonderful. And it's still, and people still get the bejesus scared out of them, which is great. People, always, like he doesn't, yeah. 
people What's always that? send me this video clip. I think it's out of Brazil. It's a it's an elevator. People get on the elevator. The lights go out. The lights come on, and it looks like a little girl from the Grudge is in the elevator. Oh yeah, yeah. They, just, they freak out and they throw their papers and they run out. And they always send it to me, and they go, "You guys should do something like this." And I always say, the person coming in the elevator is not aware that they're about to be scared in some right. sort of Halloween esque event. When you click through the turnstile at Not Scary Farm, you're there. You're in the right. zone. You are expecting right. to be scared. So it's a different dynamic. So when yeah, people yeah. send that to me, and I get sent it a lot, I just I politely go, "Yeah, that sounds great." <laughs> So the samurai sword person, was this part of the person's home? Like they set this up or was this some random thing that someone else oh, I did? Cer I certainly hope it was. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's kind of creepy. Is, that's a this is back when uh, old ladies gave out popcorn balls. Uh, you had to carry around your um, UNICEF box to collect pennies. So it was, a, it was a, it, I know that sound, I'd sound a hundred years old but it was a different time. You went out trick-or-treating with a pillowcase. Nobody had a cell phone. You had a vague idea of what time it was. And when the when you got enough candy, you ran home. Yep. No, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than you, but not much, Jeff. And I, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And I, I remember how big trick-or-treating was and you know the how much candy and how many people were out and how, how people's houses, how they all went out. You know, and, and and it was a big deal back then. I remember those days. Nostalgia right there, big time. And back you know, then, back then, a fun size candy bar meant it was only half a candy bar. That was fun right. size. The stuff right. they put out now, fun size, it looks like a tic tac is not fun. less candy is not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's just us it's just economics and trying to trying to make more money off of people. No, for sure, for sure. And you know, another thing you know you mentioned there, Jeff about Halloween starting earlier. Now, to some degree, I don't mind it because I'm a huge haunt and a huge Halloween fan within limits. But, you know, I, I'm on a road trip right now as we record this, but I'm going to be heading back to Florida at the beginning of September, um, getting back there Labor Day back home to Orlando. And and I'm loving this road trip. And that's not something we necessarily need to get into here in this in the podcast, on this, in this interview. But I am very much looking forward to getting home for a number of reasons. But one of them is, you know, especially in Florida, it's a little bit different than California, uh, you know, and I'm not even talking about Disney that starts in August, <laughs> uh, but the rest of the parks and all the independent haunts, you know, a lot of them get going in early September. Uh, Universal, you know, their ha Halloween Horror Nights, for example, that is starting actually Labor Day weekend while I'm gone. And as soon as I get back, like two days later on Wednesday, the 7th, I think it is, it'll be my first day going there with my frequent fear pass. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy, you know, Halloween lasts for a good solid two months in a lot of places and, you know, these haunts and so forth, you know, they're at knots, it's well over a month now with yeah. you guys starting this year on, you know, the 22nd. So, but uh, the one other thing, I, you know, that you mentioned, Jeff, that I, I can relate to and I was thinking of, I didn't want to interrupt you, um, is you're talking about how in TV shows or movies, you know, things are represented in some fantastical way that's not practical, but they can be in a movie. And, you know, you you and I, we talked a lot about Trapped last year, the first time on the show. And I'm fascinated with Trapped because I never got to experience it. And I love escape rooms. And I remember my first, one of my first ex times I was exposed to the concept of an escape room, not, not actually going into one, but watching on a TV show, was in The Big Bang Theory. And I don't know if you guys are fans of that show, if you've seen 
But, uh, you know, the, the whole gang, they go to an escape room and, it, and it's pretty wild and wacky, all the special effects and how, how you know, involved it is. And it's like, well, I've been to some pretty cool escape rooms in the real life, but they're not quite as intricate as the one on, on Big Bang Theory, of course, because it's a TV show. So I totally agree that, you know, life you know, has to be practical because it's real world. So I, I relate to what you said there. So, yeah, thank you for all that, Jeff. Uh, so, Daniel, how about you? What's the scariest thing for you? Yeah. I think to to piggyback on that there. Sure. My okay. As a kid, I used to go to all these little, small haunted houses, like high school haunted houses, uh, and I was terrified of them. That really um, impressed on me how scary they can be. But again, I was a big fan of horror movies, so I was used to it. But I still feel that the ones that we do are still my favorite. I still get scared occasionally. Uh, in the ones that we're doing. And the one that really kind of triggers me is uh, Trick or Treat. We used to have a maze here called Trick or Treat, which was exactly nostalgia that Jeff was leaning in on, which was it's all about that night of going out to trick or treating and going to a, a creepy house where there's a witch there. And um, it, the aesthetic of it was all like 1970s to 60s plastic masks. And it was a wonderful haunt, but the, we ran it for like around three or four years, five years. Mm -hmm. But the last year we ran it, we did something special where yep. we took off all the lights or most of the lights and we gave it a flashlight treatment. And it was yes. one of the first times we did that. And that scared the bejeebas out of me. Seriously, just having the flashlight, having the same props that we've been having up for four or five years, having that being flashed with a flashlight and then everything about it shifted and changed and came alive and was animated. It was just scary. And I, I jumped a few times. It was like, I've been through this thing 20, 40 to 40 times. And it's just like, I, this is totally new and things are moving that should not be moving. <laughs> and it was all yeah. the pan of the lights and uh, all the different little special effects that were triggered by the special light that we had. Uh, it, to me, that was like the last time I was really terrified <laughs> at uh, a haunted house. So that- No, really, I mean that totally, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead, Daniel. That really stuck with me, so. No, absolutely, I can relate and uh, I can directly relate because I did experience that. So as I told Jeff last year, I'm a huge fan of Nascary Farm. Uh, not just saying this because I'm talking to you guys. You can you can ask my friends. You know, Jeff, you and I are connected on social media to start me start messaging my friends. You've met, started to meet some of my friends, like my friend Cameron and and there in uh, Southern California. Um, you know, I tell everyone uh, I love Halloween Horror Nights. Well, let me rephrase. I love it in Orlando. The one in Hollywood needs some uh, better budget, but anyways, uh, Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando is incredible. Uh, and I go there a lot because I'm local to Orlando, but not Scary Farm for a theme park haunt. Not getting into independent haunts; those are a different kind of kind of ball game. But for theme park haunts, not scary farm is by far my favorite, and that's why I will trudge across the country all the way to California from Florida. Uh, now, once a year, I will do it. I, I didn't go for a number of years, but I'm like I have to go because last year when I went, we'll be talking about my experiences last year in the main part of the interview here in a few minutes. Uh, I just had such an amazing time, especially with some of these newer attractions, which we'll be talking about. Uh, and, you know, I got to go over here now. So I, I love, love, love Not Scary Farm. And but for a number of years, you know, life gets in the way or 
life finds a way as Jurassic Park said but no life gets in the way you know being married and jobs and all kinds of stuff and for a number of years even though I lived in Southern California in California for 20 years from 98 till uh, 2018 I didn't get to Mount Scary Farm a lot unfortunately I regret that um, nothing against Mount Scary Farm just life got in the way uh, so I didn't get back there for gosh from like 2001 or so until 2017 embarrassed embarrassed enough to say so i own i experienced that last year of trick-or-treat with the mice chat gang doing doing the uh, uh death march as dusty sage calls it and with that group and i had heard about the flashlights i'm a, i love technology by the way daniel jeff knows that about me and so that the what i think they're what the gantham flashlights is the company that makes them and i was fascinated and i mean and uh, again just for our audience sake you know, to give them the full credit, you know, you're starting to allude to that with the special effects there, Daniel. Uh, those flashlights, they'll turn on and off based on radio frequencies in the localized room to room there. And the, I think the colors changed. And, you know, and so it was a very, yeah, I mean, I don't scare easily, but that was a creepy experience. So I definitely relate to how that would be kind of your top one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and that's one of the things I love about Knots. You guys for theme park hunts are the most creative absolutely the most creative with the things that you do uh whether it be you know technology like that um you know multiple entrances into a house the shows that you have at the beginning of some of your mazes which we'll be talking about a little bit later uh you know and just you know other technology things that you do are just incredible so um yeah no that totally totally makes sense as a, as a scarier experience for both of you very unique and different so you both have been through these kind of very unique scary experiences that you just talked about would you would you say those had an impact on you after that in terms of having the bejesus scared out of you as the saying goes uh and then you know going forward with your life you know in that halloween sort of vibe well definitely every time i go to a haunted event I, I mean, for us, it's more about taking notes. <laughs> it's because it's our occupation. We we try sure. to give back. So if we see something that really affects us, really makes us jump, or really creeps us out, we want to reflect that in our own work. So uh, you know, going to uh, because we'll we'll uh, what's the term bookmark or mm-hmm. where we go to other places and we'll uh, experience it because for us. That's that's what the guest experience is, is we create the stuff. We kind of know where all the uh, scares will be um, to uh, actually I have a little what I do is we have three designers on staff, three to four designers on staff and uh, that are the, the haunt, main haunt designers. Um, and we uh, I always n- never go through one of them. I'll, I'll know the what what the theme is, but I won't ever go through in the build phase. And I always leave that to like the opening night, so I, as a guest, can walk through that maze for the mm-hmm. first time and experience that. Uh, same as like going to another uh, theme park or another scare place. So I'll, I'll go through and kind of learn through that. So it's mostly. For me, it's mostly about trying to gather that emotion that I experienced when something new happens. And I go, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm feeling claustrophobic there. 
or it's suddenly plunging me into darkness. And obviously that's one of my big triggers is like, oh my, uh, like trying to feel around in the dark or being like squeezed in. So I always want to try to take those in a healthy way and reproduce them in the maze as that people normally don't ever experience. Interesting. You know, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, you're kind of taking notes, like you said. So it sounds like, you know, as someone, you know, both of you working, you know, with haunts, you know, for, for a long time now, for a couple of decades plus, that if something really gets to you or really shocks you, that's something that you really want to make a note of. And, and you know, if it's, if it's not something you guys already have there, you know, want to maybe look at incorporating it because it really impressed you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like my wife hates going through with me because I'll be just sitting there going, looking, and I'll be kind of falling back a little bit. And she's like terrified and trying to avoid everything. And then she just looks back and just shakes her head. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So, so Jeff, for again, your, your kind of scariest experience was very different. It was very early on in your life. It was not at a haunt. It was not expected at all. Uh, you know, so is there any, can you think of any ways in which that experience, you know, you remembered it up from all these years ago, um, how it impacted you, affected you in any way? Well, I, I, I just, I do what I think would scare me, basically, you know, when we're working on stuff, I just go, well, what, what would I hate to do? I mean, we worked on draft. It was a whole menu of things I would not do. I, I, I'd like Dr. Seuss book. I would not eat a bug. I would not drink urine. You know what I mean? I wouldn't do all that stuff. So uh, when people do do it, I'm like, well, I guess it's working because I wouldn't do it. So Jeff, if, if, if you like to focus on what things that scare you, uh, you, you, and maybe you've done this in some of the, like trapped, I never got to experience trapped very sadly. Uh, any, anything from your experiences in your younger years with Berg? that you incorporate into your house. It's like, maybe there's like a room with a, with toilet paper being, you know, thrown on the floor by a child or Is it a monster running or six squares. Uh, no, uh, the only thing you can take from my childhood, I mean, cause it would just be, it would just be like a, a male version of mommy dearest. It wouldn't be good at all, but uh, the, the lesson you learn is what's, what would scare me as a child moving into adulthood is is tyranny and it's going like in go back to trapped uh trapped presented itself as this vip experience when you walked up year one there was a very nice attractive person there who welcomed you wearing a nice crisp outfit and you know you'd already made your reservation it was very um steakhouse like like a really upscale steakhouse yeah yeah and then you walked in and the first room was a dirty smelly bathroom with a guy screaming expletives at you. So wow. there's my childhood put into a maze, you know, a guy yeah, screaming about yeah. <laughs> cleaning this and working on that. And you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to live up to standards. Right. Yeah. And good point. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, thanks guys for kind of, kind of doing some kind of general conversation about, about haunts and scares and, and so forth. And so let, let's go ahead and switch gears now for the rest of the interview. We're going to talk all about Not Scary Farm specifically. And more specifically than that, we're going to talk about 2021 at Not Scary Farm. So the most recent year, last year, and two of the newest and two of the main new uh, uh, features at the, at the farm there. So, so first of all, uh, last year, a new live show was featured at the farm. And 
you know, when I remember when I interviewed you, Jeff, this was, it was right around this time last year and you said something exciting was coming. Something was very much the kind of thing that you would create and we would be excited to see, but of course we couldn't get the details. And then, you know, month or two later, David, myself, a couple of the members of the team, we show up there opening weekend of scary farm and we encounter invitation to terror and just completely blown away by it. And, you know, we, we already had become familiar with you myself, of course, interviewing you, the rest of the team, they had heard the interview and, you know, I knew of you, as I told you last year, Jeff, um, through through Doug from the season pass, of course, is a friend of mine that's in their show for a long time. And of course, you know, Dusty Sage related to season pass, you know, does does the events there every year, um, you know, because season pass is part of the Mites Pod Network. So, you know, friends of yours and had heard you on other pod on the various podcasts and knew that you are very much someone that's, you know, rooted in pop culture, of course you know, movies, especially. And of course, that's where 91 Reasons focuses your podcast, which I listen to all the time now. But you're very much what I have come to learn of you is you're rooted in comedy and horror. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's kind of your two, your two branches. And so walking into Invitation to Terror, and seeing the kind of 1980s, again, you're, you're a child of the 80s, you're all love the 80s. So all that 1980s kind of, kind of motif, and the comedy kind of in the beginning, kind of crazy characters, and then getting into the horrors later on the show. Uh, it was it was it was definitely unmistakably a Jeff Tucker creation. So I'd love to learn because I've not seen anything like it before, Jeff. How did Invitation to Terror come to be? How did you come up with it? Well, you can uh, you can think the shutdown because the shutdown derailed a lot of plans at Scary Farm. Uh, obviously 2020 would have been a big year for Scary Farm with new attractions and then 2021 would have been different and Mesmer was was scheduled for the previous year prior right yeah so when it was figured out that our governor was going to let us open for 2021 as Scary Farm and not taste of Halloween uh, <laughs> you have to look around like what can you do in the time frame uh, Mystery Lodge is a building that already existed. The infrastructure was already there. So Ken Parks, who at the time was head of entertainment, uh, just in a text said, what do you think of doing a show in Mystery Lodge about the 80s? And I said, sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> let's do it. So uh, the only edict was I had to use the Grimoire book because if you've seen the stuff that's coming out for this year, there's a maze centered around the Grimoire. So the Grimoire was already in the pipeline. And I said, put it in a show and make it about the 80s. That's all the, all the direction that was given. <laughs> so I decided to make it about, uh, you know, a crazy billionaire in the 80s, uh, like Richard Branson, who uh, goes around the world trying to find ways to gain power and be immortal. And he finds this book. Uh, he makes up a story that he found it in the desert when actually he bought it off some kids. Uh, and that ties directly into the maze that's debuting this year. Uh, there's a lot of nods to the maze that people didn't even know they were seeing. So those that did wow. see Invitation will notice, oh, that now that kind of makes sense. Because what I've learned the last few weeks is that, yes, the mazes have stories, but they have really intricate stories 
that you may not even notice as you're zooming through them, but they are there and they help sell whatever environment Daniel or the other designers are trying to create. So once the grimoire was in place and what the plot would be, the building sort of lends itself to the flow of the show. You have the pre-show area. We'll make that the reception area. Uh, I'm not shy when I always say, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. So I stole a lot of it from the Terminator 3D attraction at Universal. Just the idea idea of a, a a nice, attractive lady who's kind of a jerk to people, you know, and she's trying to present all this information and then it's going to go haywire against her. So we did that. Uh, we put a fake bar in the lobby with a little sign that said it opens after the president. I had that on my desk right now. And uh, we were so shocked how many people like during the pre-show would walk up and try to buy a drink. And I would stand there in my future Tronics t-shirt and I would tell people it opens after the presentation. So you'll go in there and come back. At, oh, okay. And then like, save me something. Hey, you got it. Uh, the, the Q area became uh, all these posters for all these inv- inventions that supposedly Futuretronics had come up with or was about to come up with. And uh, I worked with designer John Aspirin. He came up with all that stuff and all the inside jokes were him. He put in the flux capacitor and all that stuff. Uh you came opening weekend, so you didn't see that the 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 other character that showed up later in the run. No, no, tell me about that. He had filmed more footage. So in the queue, there was a monitor with the head of public relations of Futuretronics uh, telling you all about the great stuff you were about to see inside, and uh, that was pretty much lifted the flavor of it from interventions. You know, just the oh, really yeah. smarmy, all this great stuff's inside and. He had a and the other the other fun part was all the stuff he's talking about is obsolete, and if the kids don't know what it is, that makes it even funnier. He had a laser disc, he had a um, one of those big giant ugly cell phones, he had a wrist yep. communicator and a a, a <laughs> beeper a beeper which was a lot of fun, and then the show itself, uh, it, it, it's. It's a lot like some of the other shows I've done in there. And they all, have, they all follow the same process. Something happens. You're, you're, you're in to see a presentation of some sort, and then it all goes awry. That's been right. since day one of these attractions. <laughs> that's uh, extraterrestrial. That's Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And I'm not putting myself in that rare air. But that is the template. So you've got to right. you, know, you can't just start with the ghosts on stage. You have to, you have to set it up. And stretch it out to uh, you know eight or nine minutes so that you give people something that they've waited in line for. So then the rest of it sort of wrote itself of this guy and there's a host and then there's an assistant on stage that gets killed and uh, all of the digital uh, trickery that we did in there, which is fantastic because uh, I, I don't know if it's changed, but at one point Mystery Lodge was the largest Pepper's Ghost Theater in the Western Hemisphere. So it's wow. Like, it's always sad when it sits unused, especially during Scary Farm, when you can do ghosts, you know, for real right. ghosts. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, yeah, that wow, that's interesting. Well, you know, and again, I I'm, know I'm, we're not going to go into details on this, um, but I, I do look forward to the little hints you gave me there 
uh, for the new maze this year and how it ties into Invitation of Terror. That's awesome because I, I did love the show and I love the kind of the mythology around it and what happens in the show as you just described some of there. So I'm looking forward to how that new uh, new maze connects to that. So you mentioned Pepper's Ghost. I am a, a big fan of Pepper's Ghost. And, you know, for, for in case our listeners aren't familiar, you are familiar with Pepper's Ghost. If you've been on the Haunted Mansion ride in, in any of the Disney parks, you know the Pepper's Ghost. It's the ballroom scene. It's the ghost that you see. It's an optical illusion. It's one of the most clever optical illusions around. It's been around for many, many decades now. I think about 100 years or so, I think it was originally invented. Um, and it's and it's really, really effective. And uh, again, like you said, the Mystery Lodge show is very much about Pepper's Ghost. It's a, it's a you know, sit-down theater very large Pepper's Ghost effects that happen during that typical Mystery Lodge show. And I have, I have seen the Mystery Lodge show just once in my life. Again, it's closed a lot, like you said. Uh, and I saw it, gosh, way back in like 2002 or so. And I remember the Pepper's Ghost effects that, that you had in Invitation to Terror last year, Jeff. They seemed a lot more crisp and intense and, and so forth. Now, for all I know, the projectors have been upgraded since 2002 for the regular Mystery Lodge show, or maybe not. But t- talk to me, was there anything that you had to do to upgrade the projectors or had they already been upgraded for Invitation to Terror? Well, I'll dance around it. How about that? Because okay, I'm, okay. I'm not allowed to speak directly about how Mystery Lodge works out of oh, okay, okay. for uh, Bob Rogers and Bob, BRC Company who built it. Uh, okay. Here's how I'll dance around it. Mystery Lodge began as Spirit Lodge at the Vancouver Expo in 1986. So the technology to put Spirit Lodge up was from 1985. Okay. The technology for Mystery Lodge was unchanged when it opened. So it is still unchanged and nobody uses that anymore at all. It's not used hardly anywhere except maybe... Uh, in Tarantino world, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, when we go to do it, we're 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 adding completely new stuff. If that makes sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. And I understand you can't go to details. So that that answers my question effectively. That was a good yeah. dance around. You know, Jeff. There are lots of memes about stuff like this, but this phone has more yeah. technology than when Mystery Lodge opened in 1994. I believe it. No I believe doubt. It. No doubt. I believe it. Yeah. And by the way, uh, speaking of kind of technology and so forth, um, you know, I remember, Jeff, you and I had been messaging, you know, uh, uh, you know, because I let you know we were coming and we wanted to kind of stop by and say hi to you. We need to be busy, especially once we realized the scope of the show and that you, you know, you that was your baby last year. And we we already had exited the, the show and I wasn't thinking I was just so blown away by the show and especially what happens at the end, which was a huge surprise. Uh, and so we just kept on walking. I'm like, you know, I wasn't thinking that, of course, you would be there at the Mystery Lodge. And then I message you and you're like, where are you? I'm waiting at the exit. And we, anyway, we came back, <laughs> which was hysterical. And then you you gave us the, the backstage tour uh, of the lodge there and uh, of the, the show. And, uh, you know, obviously not showing us specifics, but just showing us, oh, there's where the computers are, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. we met the actors briefly. Thank you so much. That was so special uh to to kind of get that little backstage little peek there i really really appreciate that i'll never forget that well there there is something to be said about if you go see a regular show you you applaud at the end the actors take a bow and everybody feels like they got their money's worth uh for terror and you know mystery lodge and the other two shows i did unearthed and possessed 
everybody's dead at the end. So nobody gets a bow. Nobody gets a thank you. The actors are usually backstage using the restroom while the audience is filing out. It's very sterile. So when yeah. you, can, you can bring somebody in and say, hey, guys, they really liked it. Uh, it makes the actors feel like, oh, OK, people are noticing what we're doing. We're feeling we're feeling good about doing this. Oh, OK, that's OK. That's fantastic. Because I didn't Everybody have that context. Wins. Yeah, no, that's great. Because I remember when we did see them in the in the little the kind of dressing room, blue room, whatever you want to call it there. You know, I remember I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember, you know, telling them you guys did a great job. Wow. What a show. So that's awesome. They would appreciate that, you know, because they yeah. don't get that. Yeah, the applause. Oh, yeah, they don't no, get applause, there's no but, feedback. But, yeah. most, most of the audience, yeah. they assume everybody on stage is fake anyway, so they don't applaud at all. When, oh, because when Mystery, Mystery, yeah. ran, <laughs> when Mystery Lodge ran, the usher would have to would seed the applause because most oh. audiences think that it's like Mr. Lincoln. Right, right. It's yeah. nice. Animatronics and Pepper's Ghost. And yeah, it makes sense. Makes and, sense. And I should say really quick, if you saw the show 2001 or two, uh, it could have been me for all you know. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's right. You've been there a long time. Yeah. I know that, you know, speaking of, 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 uh, of Jeff of yesteryear, uh, I was at, um, actually, I think it was the last time I saw you in person, Jeff, was in February of this year. And we were, uh, you know, at the farm there. Uh, and riding what is pretty much my favorite ride there at Knott's, which is, is Ghost Rider. And uh, I, I might have been David, you know, that was with me, of course, or maybe someone else pointing out the safety video, which I had seen before. But I'm like, oh, that's Jeff. And I, because yeah. it's, you know, years, you know, 20 plus years ago, I didn't recognize you. No beard and, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, all, my, you're all over the farm. My youngest is the other one in the video. And now oh. every time they're, they go to the park with their friends, everybody freaks out. Oh, my God, it's you in the video. That's funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Wow. Wow. So you know, we talked all about Invitation to Terror here. And I was sad to learn that, uh, you know, when the details were coming out for, uh, for Not Scary Farm this year and, and, and the source I usually use for this, which is absolutely fantastic. Another plug, but they deserve it is Mice Chat and Dusty and his team, you know, they put out an article and they update it, you know, and so forth, you know, with what's coming, what's what's not coming, what's new and, and so forth, and what's not returning. And what was mentioned in there is that Invitation is Here is not returning this year, and it was its first year last year. So can you share, and I'm sure you're probably maybe limited on this one too, but, you know, what you can say at least about why this show is allowed to sh shine so brightly just that one year last year and not afterwards. Yeah, no, it, it's easy. It's easy. Uh, there's a maze back there now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whenever so there's a maze, room. whenever there's a maze back behind Mystery Lodge, and for it's been 13x Murder Manor, Voodoo Witch Project, Blood Bayou, uh, Forevermore, Infected. Uh, they it covers the emergency exits. I see. So the if there's an emergency right. in the theater, everybody runs out into a zombie infested subway station uh plus uh, one if there's a maze there they're using the queue they're probably using the pre-show uh and it just it's a space thing it's just a space thing i see i maze, got it the maze is uh funneled through a lot more people an hour than a show does so you got to go with the maze and even i understand that oh sure and and nothing against your you know invitation to terror but mazes those are the big attractors oh yeah you know, it seems uh, yeah. like it haunts yeah yeah so you go sense. see invitation to terror when the maze lines are too long yeah right <laughs> I, have, I have no illusions 
So, so actually, along these lines, though, Jeff, was was by ever whatever metrics you use, whether it be feedback or you know people returning or just the number of people that that go to the show, was Invitation to Terror was it a success? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you measure success here at Knotts as nobody walked out, nobody left during the show. Right. We did uh, more presented shows than any show that has ever been presented at Scary Farm because we were doing four to five an hour, which is unheard of. It's just a complete get them in, get them out, get them in, get them out. And oh. most shows end and there's a 45 to do an hour break to give the performer a break. But since since I had three casts, we could just keep going. Wow, you had three casts. Wow. Yeah. So wow. you can mix and match all the, all the characters. Uh, each of the Shacklefords had their own audio track. So the voice that you heard in the house versus the voice on stage was the same. Uh, huh. I can't say enough about the behind the scenes people from Jared, who did all of the video di digital work and uh, Scott and everybody who did all the audio and sound and lighting and everything uh, to, to, to have a show that can present itself that technically and then immediately reset for the next audience. Unheard of, unheard of. That's really impressive. Wow, so efficient. How many people would you say overall were worked on on Invitation to Terror? You know, the three different casts, all the technical oh, people behind the scenes. At least sixty people, seventy. People. Wow, there's impressive. a lot, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and I just stand there and make sure everybody has what they need and is, you know, motivated to get to the finish line because you know the the event's going to open whether you're finished painting or editing oh yeah so yeah yep 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 i mean look at disneyland's opening day they had to open and yep. they weren't ready nope. <laughs> they were not ready people were sinking into the pavement and everything else well so um, uh you can buy coca-cola or pepsi but you can't pee in the streets so he chose restrooms over soda fountains yeah that's right that's right uh they weren't quite ready or so, uh, last thing <laughs> drinking fountains yes that's right that's right um yeah, so last thing I want to ask you about Invitation to Terror, and then we're going to talk about something else that Daniel was involved with last year. Uh, so, and I wasn't going to originally ask this in case, you know, I was wrong about it coming back. I was hoping that I had heard wrong, and you were going to tell me as a surprise, Jeff, it's coming back. Invitation to Terror is coming back better than ever, but um, that's okay. I get why it's not coming back, and I'm looking forward to the new maze and so forth. So at the end of the show, so, you know, you've got the, you know, the pre-shows you talked about, then you've got the show with live actors behind the glass you've got the the, the pepper, pepper's ghost very impressive all the ghosts moving around and it's all this stage show where everything is on stage and brilliantly brilliantly at the end i was not expecting this and i go to haunts all over the place you've got these these creepy figures live actors running across the aisles from yeah. left to right as people were sitting down there uh, just completely blown away one question I have about that, you know, first of all, again, brilliance, my tip, my hat to you, Jeff, but wasn't there a safety concern because it's a dark room and, you know, people getting up and people getting tripped and yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it depends on uh, how seasoned the, the monster is because eventually those, those were pulled. We had oh, they, two, or, oh. two or three incidents where uh, somebody stepped where they shouldn't and we had to pull them and we changed the ending was constantly being changed at about weekend three, maybe. But uh, that's a trick we used in Unearthed 
It's a trick we use in Possessed. Possessed is the one that got the best reaction. Uh, and the differences between the three shows were that the first two used street monsters. During hmm. the run of the show, uh, we had specific times for the show, one cast or uh, two casts with people getting days off. But uh, the monsters would show up, you know, two minutes before the run through. The doors would open, they'd run through and go, and they would run to the streets and continue working. This one was a dedicated cast so that I could use them in the future Tronics pre-show area, and then they would change into monster gear for the run through. And the problem there is they just weren't seasoned enough. I was, it, it's my fault. I was asking too much of them. So it was, it was decided eventually to just reconfigure the ending, but you got to see it in all its glory and it had its perfect intended reaction of, I thought I was safe in here. They're all behind glass. Interesting. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And we, and yeah, I mean, obviously I only saw the show one, so I can't compare it from my own two eyes, my own experience, but from what I saw, it was, I was blown away by it. It was seemed like to work perfectly. They all ran through there and the audience's reaction. And, and we had a pretty good crowd in our group. I don't know if it was a full house, but it was not far off. And wow, people were freaking out. I mean, it, that's what you want. It was so well received. But you you bring up an interesting point here, Jeff. And this is true as we as we get when we start to talk to Daniel about his attraction from last year. Very much true in mazes, and I see this is you know if you think about a typical like a like a roller coaster, even one that has theming, you know it, it pretty much it's it's a, it's the same experience more or less. You know, roller coasters can warm up during the day. And, you know, there's the night rides and that we, as coaster enthusiasts, we cherish night rides for two reasons. One, the coaster warms up, so it's a little bit faster at the end of the day, but also, you know, an outdoor coaster at night, your psychology kicks in and the coaster seems faster because you can't see as well. It's why Space Mountain runs 40 miles an hour and it's so effective because it's indoors, it's dark. Your mind thinks it's going 80, but it's going 40. So, but again, a fundamentally is the same experience, more or less, very consistent. But haunts, because they're so driven by people and even effects that are put together, you know, some of them last minute because it's changed every year, you know, haunts, they are, they're living, breathing entities and they change through a given year, through a given season. I see this at, at all sorts of theme park haunts with big, big budgets like Not Scary Farm and Universal. And, you know, I go the first night say at Universal because I go there throughout because it's my home haunt. And it changes through the season. And of course, the other aspects of, you know, is the timing, whether or not you get the scares or, you know, if it happened three people behind you and, you know, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, even a show like that, because yeah, you were pushing the limits, you know, things that would have to change. So it makes sense. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, as Daniel will confirm, nothing's ever finished. It can always be made better. Right. Right. So they're living, they're really living entities for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of Daniel, so <laughs> another new hit, well, I'm going to assume it's a hit. I mean, it was a hit for me, for sure, uh, that debuted in 2021 at Scary Farm, was the brilliant new haunted house, Mesmer, Sideshow of the Mind. Now, I am someone who, again, I've already established I'm a big haunt fan. I love horror. Uh, but I'm, you know, as part of that, I'm a big fan of, of the, you know, kind of history of horror uh, and, and, and horror-related uh, attractions in the entertainment, themed entertainment industry. And, you know, the sideshow, freak show era. And there's been movies about, about this. Uh, there's been, you know, entire seasons of, of horror shows like I Love American Horror Story. Season four freak show is about this kind of stuff. But I just find it fascinating because it's very edgy. It's, you know, politically incorrect, which I appreciate the world we live in today. 
that we can we can have politically incorrect things like that and look back at history and so forth. Um, and it, it's just fascinating. And so that Mesmer house last year, I was so here for that house. And, it, you know, it did not disappoint. So, Daniel, tell us about how that new, very different in many ways, house came to be at, at Scary Farm. Um, as, as Jeff mentioned, that has been in the works for three years. Um, mm -hmm. I, too, have a fascination with uh, old-time carnival freak shows. Um, I'm a big fan of Todd Hayes' uh, Freaks, as well as the, what you mentioned, uh, American Horror Story uh, freak show. So a lot of that contributed. But I also really loved um, that old book slash movie, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Right? Oh, Yeah. yeah about that traveling carnival that just pops up in this old time uh, town and kind of takes over, but it's not necessarily good or nice. It's, there's, some, there's a very dark layer to it. And that's why I wanted to create uh, with Mesmer was this traveling uh, sideshow. Uh, we liked at Not Scary Farm to kind of build to the area. So um, for uh, like we'd always have our clown names usually in our clown zone, which is our boardwalk area. Uh, you know, we have ghost town be like an old timey uh, maze type of feel like old Westy, which is our origins. Uh, so for this, the challenge was to how to make it be a carnival yet be still um, push the levels. There, there's a type of maze we used to do, or we still do, obviously, Mesmer is one of them. Uh, is like a nightmares maze where you're walking through like room to room different nightmares that you're experiencing. So we had one back called Delirium. We had Elvira's nightmares too as well. Uh, so we have like a long lineage of these nightmare mazes. And Mesmer is a bit of that. So Mesmer's uh, story is that he's a traveling hypnotist and he's here to hypnotize you uh, as you are dying. So he, he found out the secret to life after death. And this is the intricate backstory that um, uh, we alluded to earlier. So the, mm. what was happening was he actually hypnotized people and then murdered them. But they were still conscious because they were hypnotized. So they became uh. mesmer zombies. So when you walk through each of the rooms, you're going through their nightmare slash hell uh, version of each of the of the um, characters that you see out in the front of the freak tent. So this is what you're experiencing. The first room, which is a, a bit of a showroom, is you from last year. Is you go in and he is in the midst of killing one of his cast members and opening up a portal into this afterlife. So you walk through via a big zoetrope, a life-size zoetrope, and you go into, again, various characters. Um, like the first one you go into is the tattoo man's room. And his backstory mm -hmm. is uh, he ran out of room on his skin. So Mesmer convinced him, well, skin has two sides, inside and outside. So they would cut the tattoo artist open and tattoo on the inside because he was dead he doesn't die from that so it it's very gruesome and the stories are very much peppered in throughout just like that just different stories and also distortions of reality because we are in sort of this fantasy hell 
scape of these characters. So on the outside, we really wanted to present the package of this old timey uh, Dust Bowl error freak show. And then a hypnotist, old hypnotist, because that was also a huge show that, uh, that would travel around the Midwest at the time. And, but the inside kind of turned into this like nightmare scape, but still had tinges of this carnival, this dark carnival uh, that like we saw from something wicked this way comes. It's very cool. Yeah, definitely very intricate. Like you said, there's a big backstory there. And, you know, very much like you said, on the outside, it looks like a, you know, carnival, old timey carnival, you know, maybe, maybe a kind of a freak show sort of thing. But there was a lot more than meets the eye inside. So that's fascinating. Very. And I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing it again this year. That's one of the things that I do like about, you know, some of the theme park haunts, like, like the ones that Cedar Fair does and other chains in that, you know, the houses, they don't go away after the first year so that you get to experience them again. Uh, and it kind of makes up for, uh, you know, say not, not being my home haunt. Cause you know, when I go to Horror Nights, one of the unique things about Horror Nights that, you know, their budget and their, their focus is different. They, their houses, all of them change every year. So at least with my home haunt, I go a whole bunch of times. So I get to experience the, those same houses multiple times, but you know, for ones where I only travel for a weekend once a year, like knots, you know, I only get to experience a given house usually once per per year. So I, you know, that's why I look forward to getting to go through them again and noticing more. Now, hearing you the backstory and understanding it better because I didn't have all that last year, um, I'll definitely appreciate it differently and, and and probably more so. So that I look forward to that. Well, thank you. And something that you alluded to, Daniel. So uh, something that's kind of become a fixture with certain houses, certain mazes there at Scary Farm is that show element to be in the house. You know, Mesmer has it. Uh, Paranormal Inc., which I believe was retired last year, had it, right? Uh, and I think others too. So what makes you decide to add that initial show element, which is very differentiating and I, something I think really is awesome in general at the beginning of a given maze? What makes you decide to do that? Well, we're all storytellers. So we want... The best way of telling the story is through a show element to have a captive audience and to provide a scare. One thing I want to go back to with the Invitation of Terror is one of the hardest things to do is to have a fixed audience be scared. Uh, Jeff Tucker achieved that in droves, especially with the crossing of the, um, the monsters to the audience. But notoriously, if you sit down in the theater, it's almost like the golden... Um, ring to, to capture. It's hard to capture a captive audience and scare them. That's right. why maze is so wonderful because you walk through it and you experience it 360. You don't know where that scare is coming from. From right. a sit-down experience, you do. But one thing that we gain from that sit-down experience is story. And one thing that movies have um, more than us, like we, we deal with... Um, in we, we don't deal with intellectual properties like Universal does. Right. They get the benefit of having a movie tie-in. So most of the people who go in already know that that character, that shape is, is going to jump out. They, they're familiar with that backstory. So what, what we came up with was various times, it changed through history. We had something called a key room, uh, which we would uh, do as a separate admission where you come through the beginning of a maze and actually it would tell a bit of the backstory before you started to go through the maze. 
Um, so it was a whole hmm. separate room. And we were getting better and better at this, but we wanted everyone to experience. And there's a Paranormal Inc. was probably one of our most, I'm not sure if you, you went through that one. But Paranormal, oh, I've been through it multiple times. So I love yeah. Paranormal. Yeah. That, oh, so that one has such a wonderful uh, entryway and wonderful showroom to tell the story and to establish where you are right from the get-go. So, but um, alas, it's also about operations and we are a big theme park uh, trying to pump through as many people as we can. So we had to limit that as much or be clever about it. You know, usually Paranormal's um, showroom was huge. It just had a, a ton of people. And I don't know if you noticed it, but it siphoned into two separate parts. Yes. That yes. Back in, which was a brilliant move to actually keep operations flowing. But it still was one of the longest lines that we had. Um, Mesmer also had um, a very long line because we did try to contain the show. But more often than not, we had to let people flow through and just kind of rotate the show throughout the, the whole evening. So it's just a big, long loop of, of show. So um, I see. I see. The storytelling is the big benefit for that. That's why we, we want to put it in. We want to get those backstories out there as much as we can. Sure, that makes sense, especially since you have such an intricate backstory. Even if the public doesn't directly get exposed to it through a show element, you guys are creating it, and it's it's your it's the spirit of of the attraction of the maze or the show. So I'm sure, as storytellers, you love to be able to ex you know get that backstory out there in that bigger way whenever you can. So yeah, Mesmer actually has something quite unique. This is a kind of an Easter egg. Not many people know this, but Mesmer started as like a cutting edge technology. There was, uh, we tested it out. We were going to give everyone IR uh, infrared uh, headphones. And we were mm -hmm. going to have the, um, the hypnotist whisper in your ear, telling oh. you stories every room you go through. Now we opted for a different sensation where you we've uh, hid the speakers in the walls carefully at ear level so you can hear the uh, hypnotist mesmer kind of give the backstory in each room if you go slow enough you'll hear all the the backstory uh in very quick snippets that kind of explain what's going on in the room so next time you come just go maybe a little slower and try to listen to what they're saying you have to look out for that very interesting wow wow so you know, one thing I'm curious about, and I asked actually both of you, you know, one of the things I love about Not Scary Farm is it is very edgy. You know, Jeff, as you and I talked about last year, it's in the name, scary. You know, this is not family friendly. This is not, you know, you don't want, unless you want the psychologist bills, the therapy bills, don't bring kids, you know, all, all that stuff. And, you know, if you look at all the different things you feature, you know, the gruesomeness, for example, of Mesmer. Uh, you know, how downright frightening it can be when those live actors come through at the end of Invitation to Terror, um, you know, Puppet Up, which is very, you know, I don't offend. I, I love all sorts of humor, uh, insult comics and, you know, and, and dirty humor. I love it all. And Puppet Up, which I'm looking forward to seeing again this year at that scary farm. It, they, those guys, they get pretty dirty. So, um, you know, hanging, you know, was very. Um, inappropriate humor which was fantastic that's your creation of course jeff that you had for years so i mean you guys have very edgy you know uh, adult 
themes and visuals and, and, and humor and whatnot, how often does it happen when you guys are creating uh, elements of scary farm in a given year that you, someone comes up with something and you're like, no, it's too much. Or does that not really come up much because of how edgy you are? Um, take a stab at it. I'll take a stab at it. My personally, my job is to be that edge, is to be as edgy as edgy as possible. I've always, throughout my career, have always been told, if it's too edgy, we'll tell you. You know, and sometimes that isn't known until maybe the first night when we get like a bunch of letters. <laughs> uh, <about laughs> and you know, the uh, the people's opinions change. So uh, the edge moves quite a bit. And something that we may consider edgy at one year may be completely acceptable the next year. So it also is, as a creator, a designer, someone who's constantly coming up with new ideas, you don't want to handcuff yourself by saying, like, uh, oh, I shouldn't do this. Again, someone will tell me if if it's too much. No. Yeah, and no, that makes sense. Open about it. Tell the tell the producers or the, um, the people in charge that this is what you're doing, and have them experience. You don't want to surprise them, but definitely, you know, don't edit yourself. Is another thing. Um, I see. Interesting. So sometimes it's based on feedback, and in the early days, and like you said, letters and could get service complaints or that. Yeah, I see. And then you can then you can change it, like we talked yeah. about earlier. It's a living being. So. What we've got complaints about before, we don't get complaints about now. And sometimes it's just the zeitgeist of it just switches. So people automatically start, you know, thinking in totally different terms because maybe something in the news happened that, you know, is offensive. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. you have to change it all at heart. And hopefully that doesn't happen too much. But, uh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I, you know, I, I certainly saw this for myself, as many of us did, uh, that are old enough, at least. Um, I am the first time I ever went to Not Scary Farm. I think it was two thousand, uh, and then probably know where I'm going with this. I went there in October of twenty one. Uh, excuse me, two thousand one. Uh, you know, less than a month after the horrific events of September eleventh, and I remember that year. You know, the Chainsaw Guys were gone. There was a lot was dialed back. Uh, it was still a great event. Uh, and and edgy, but but you know I you know and I I I forget how I learned about it. This is the early days of the internet, but it was established that things were dialed back because of how tra- traumatized people were, you know, myself included, from the again horrific real world events of that the worst terrorist attack in human history. So and, and it gradually, you guys have re- brought things back. Now, one thing I'm curious about, I don't think it was related to to dialing it back like that, but just while I got while I have you guys here, um, two of my kind of favorite unique things from not scary farm in those early days were the actors on timber mountain log ride and the actors inside uh calico mine ride and uh, at least for the mine ride i heard you know you and i know that you guys did a major refurbishment on that i don't know what it was the 10 or so years ago and i heard maybe that's why you don't have the live actors anymore but is it the because of how themed how well themed your rides are having those actors on those two rides can it can damage the, the the theming and so forth is that the issue that's the issue that's it, really <laughs> okay you know honest, that, okay. that was a, a huge part of it was okay um, was that uh, they they basically redid this they put a lot of capital money into it 
So, yeah. Uh, and we basically dialed it back and said, okay. Yeah. We've, well, I was we've seen, we've seen Scary Farm maze rooms where uh, it was in uh, 13X Murder Manor. A guy was in a room that had a piano and there was a a large a dinosaur bone that was attached to the piano with wire. Like it was supposed to be like a conservatory. One hmm. night he got the bone loose and he used the bone to destroy the room. And I'll tell you what, it was scary, but it was not scary <laughs> in the right ways. And he did about $3,000 worth of damage that night uh, to which he was billed for. But that's, that's why you can't put actors in those attractions anymore because a lot of time, effort, and money was put into them. And honestly, a lot of the spots where the monsters would be, there's an animatronic man there too. So what right. do you do, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. So so that that actor in that maze, he just kind of really got into it and just oh, he was I'm gonna have fun. It. Oh yeah, he <laughs> was tearing it up. Oh yeah. Literally. We, we want that wow. energy in our in but, our actors, right. but Rain it in. Yeah, we need to make sure right. they're, they're not destroying the whole. Yeah, I mean, it's all yeah. about everyone going through. We, we're not, we don't meter in that way where we stop people and uh, have like a minute between each um, pulse. We, right. You know, we do it where you, there's a lot more people coming through our maze. Right, the conga so line, as they call sure it. Yeah. We don't like the conga line. It's not the conga line. Yeah. But we, we definitely have a pulse, but not as tight as other places. Not as tight. Yeah, it's not It's not Universal's conga line. True. It's not as intense as that, but it's steady, steady, fairly I, I steady. I can tell but... you a uh, funny story. You were talking about how do we censor. I worked on The Hanging for years with some very talented writers and producers and directors. Uh, Ken Parks worked on it and Rob Perez and uh, Frank um, Maciel, like really talented people. And there were years where we would put in jokes that were intentionally meant to get cut. That way they would leave the other jokes alone. <laughs> That's a trick we learned from like South Park and other things where you put in what is obviously really offensive so that everybody gets upset about it and gets cut and the other ones get left alone so so jeff <laughs> fascinating so jeff what you're saying is, is those jokes would be in the early days of the show in a given year and then people would complain and then they would get cut out no, no before it even hit the stage oh they got cutting room floor then yeah. okay okay were there any any cases of this where you guys came up with some of those and sometimes they've remained in there to your surprise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we always, there was a big period in the middle there where uh, Ken would write all of the really well crafted jokes, and I would write the really just baseline, filthy jokes. And together they merged very well. And I remember a joke, I, I don't think I can even say it on your show, where opening weekend we had the battle between Ronald McDonald, Wendy, the Colonel, Jack in the Box, and it was all these fast food references. And some of the jokes were really, really dirty. And I remember standing next to the, the then head of entertainment who just turned to me and he said, that's cut. <laughs> and I said, but it's funny. He said, it's cut. It's cut. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so there are, yeah, obviously there are limits. It's, it's a public theme park and you know that you know they don't want to go too crazy but they, but still 
they've let us get away with a lot of stuff that oh yeah Daniel has put in mazes that i've put in shows that in today's world would have a picket line out front yeah yeah that's you know you jeff you and i are very like-minded in our perspectives on the world and 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 so forth and which i i I value our friendship for that and and you know it's it's you know it's sad that it is that way but it it is you know we have to live in reality and that's that's i would refer everyone to watch martin scorsese's the age of innocence where daniel day lewis is engaged to be married and falls in love with another woman and he can't do anything about it because society's rules are so rigid there are things they can do they can't say they can't talk to they can't walk and you watch it and i remember seeing it opening night in the theater horrified by all these societal rules you you can do this you can't do that uh let's not forget the victorians are the ones who came up with white meat and dark meat because they weren't comfortable saying they wanted a piece of the breast uh, and we are we are racing towards the second coming of that uh, kind of uh, society. It's terrifying. Sad. Yeah, it's very scary. Sadly, sadly. So, well, uh, Daniel, I wanted to ask you one more kind of question about mesmer. So, as I alluded to earlier, we, you know, we already kind of established that mesmer is coming back for its second year this season here at the farm. So, is there anything you can share about any tweaks or upgrades? things that I might notice different about Mesmer this year? Uh, sure. Definitely the, um, the what we talked about most, uh, that opening room that was performance-based uh, is definitely dialed back because of operations, because we Got need it. to get more people through. So we want to immerse the story. So what we did was almost a sequel to that showroom. So the showroom before was mesmer hypnotizing one of the actors and opening this portal now we've come to the point where he's already opened up the portal so when you go right into that showroom you'll see the portals opened and you'll see the zoetrope that was spinning around is completely destroyed and there's carnage everywhere it's just the tent inside the tent is all burnt up and uh so it's kind of like a fun addition or kind of the sequel to what we saw the first year so i see that way it's kind of completely different we've added uh some things to the rest of the maze i'm a big proponent though of you know like once i've conceived it i try to keep it the same uh, as much as possible but we right. extended one thing we couldn't do in covid was more of a, a claustrophobic hall after the snake dancer there's a snake charmer okay yeah so this snake demon that was dancing but we've elaborated on that that one is far more claustrophobic nice it is and uh we've eaten that there's an interesting which i don't think you see anywhere see never anywhere else there's a swinging room that kind of was a metronome that you walk oh that uh we tightened that up so the illusion's even more uh I guess suffocating is the best. I thing. so was the metronome room was that that was there last year? That was there last year, but we've tightened okay. it up, made it I see. Uh, a little bit more. Uh, the illusion is pushed more. So okay, because I do yeah. remember one of the things that stuck out for me last year because I had not been a scary farm in about four years because I had moved to Florida and not been back uh, for, since twenty seventeen. Is there were I think one maybe two mesas where there were where the floor was because you know when you 
when when someone goes to a haunt, you know, a Universal, a, a, a Six Flags, a Cedar Fair, or even an independent haunt, you expect the flooring to to stay the same, to, to be stable. And I, but I, you know, so I remember at Scary Farm last year, and that's probably what I'm thinking of. There was in one or two areas where things moved around, and I was like, wow, you know, that was one of my wow moments from last year. So yeah. 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 Um- yeah, that's definitely happening a little bit in Mesmer. We have like a vibrating floor. And at the end of Pumpkin Eater, we have this vibrating floor that just affects you when you go through. Um, nice. There is also in the depths, we have a rocking boat. Where you yes, go. that's the other one. I, yeah. I love the that's depths. Major, is one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I was probably thinking of too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, wow. I mean, here we are. We're... Um, as we record, we're just under a month away from Not Scary Farm opening and basically literally a month from when I'm planning to be there with David and the rest of the team and <laughs> talking to you guys. I'm getting so excited to go back to the farm this year. Um, so last couple of questions here for you guys. So we always ask, and Jeff, you answered this question last year. If you have kind of something new to share, maybe something kind of haunt focused or, you know, something, there's something new to share. You're welcome to answer this question again. But Daniel, this is, a, of course, a new question for you. Um, you know, the Coaster Challenge, we're all about theme park therapy, which includes theme park aunts. And, you know, what better way to, to train yourself to be okay with anxiety and to, to scare the bejesus out of you and for it to all be okay in the end, you know, a controlled environment like a haunt. So in terms of facing fear and, and, and living one's best life, as they say, uh, any advice you'd like to share and, and give to our audience, Daniel? Um. No, just come and enjoy it. That's basically it. It's all about, yeah, I understand exactly what you're coming from, the, the confidence yeah. of the fear. Uh, that's, uh, it, it's something that is a release. It's something that, like, is cathartic. It, you go in and it just, uh, there's something about being scared, going to a horror film, having something pop out at you. Uh, I, I work two levels, I like to say. One is that boo scare moment where the actors jump out. There's also the storytelling element where that creepy story stays with you um, right. longer. And you know, you constantly are thinking about what was that story about? How can I find out more about it? So I think those experiences really come to me from my mom and from the fact that she was so, I mean, she lived a very happy life. People often think you must be a completely dark person, you know, creating all these really dark uh, mazes. But I'm not. I'm very happy. Um, right. And uh, I live a very happy life. And uh, why? I think I get a lot of this out from my work, from creating these. Um, sure these mazes and, and shows that are just like creepy and spooky. So Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's sort of uh, for you as a creator, for both of you, it's sort of a, it can be a form of stress relief and cathartic. I totally can see and imagine how that would be. Um, and, you know, by the way, you, and you mentioned your mom again, you mentioned your mom at the beginning. I, I very much can relate to that. It's kind of almost nostalgic for me um, as my mom's no longer alive. She, she passed away about 10 years ago, but she was, she is the reason why I'm as adventurous as I am and why I love theme parks. And she was the one that took me to the parks when I was a kid. And she was all, to the, to the last day I, that she was alive. She was a big kid. You know, she, she was a kid at heart and that's where I get it from. And I cherish that. So 
love that you have that too with the, the horror side with your mom. That's really cool, Daniel. Uh, and Je Jeff, you know, and, and again, no is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> You've asked this, answered this question before, but any new, I mean, you you always have your pearls of wisdom. Any new pearls of wisdom to share at the end here? I thought Daniel said it pretty well. I don't think I could add to that. He's, okay. you know, people always have an assumption uh, about what, what kind of people we are based on the products that we make. And that's not always the case. You know, Steve Jobs stuff was amazing, but he was probably a big a-hole. So <laughs> it, doesn't <Pretty> always, <laughs> it doesn't always line up. And if you want to right. meet, the, if you want to meet the nicest group of people you've ever hung out with, go to a scary farm event, go to a Halloween convention. All those people dressed up like every day is Halloween are the nicest people you will ever hang out with. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you for, for pointing out that little pearl of wisdom, Daniel. That's really, really, actually kind of deep in a way. So um, happy people are the ones to create the haunts. That's a really good point. All right, well, very good. Well, last thing I'm going to ask you guys, as we always do, is, you know, we've talked all about Scary Farm, but just for the, for maybe probably just the few listeners that don't know how to how to find out, um, you know, if you want to share the, any social media, I know, like, for example, Scary Farm has its own social media accounts. Um, what website for people to go to, to buy tickets if there's any I know there's supposed to be a couple of new things this year like there's a behind the scenes tour anything you want to share kind of final promotion stuff yeah go to knots.com it'll direct you to buy tickets to the event get there early they do sell out almost every single night uh, if you can go on an off night you'll have more fun because it won't be as crowded it'll still be crowded but it'll be a nice crowd of people you want to hang out with uh, not Scary Farm and Not Scary Farm are on every major platform, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, they have a presence so you can interact and ask questions. Uh, you mentioned the behind the scenes tour. That's yes. what I'm working on this year. That's my baby this year. Uh, Beyond oh. the Fog is an all new uh, idea for Scary Farm. It is not scary. It is during the day for, you can buy a ticket at knots.com for it. It is a three-hour tour of Knott's Berry Farm history, not Scary Farm history mostly, uh, and then a lights-on tour of three of our mazes where you can see how it's all done, see what it looks like in the daylight, take some pictures that nobody else has because you have to be on the tour to get the shots, and learn more about Scary Farm than you ever thought possible. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm putting the Bible for it together uh, right now. And uh, we've got some amazing tour guides, and it's going to be a really amazing, different experience for those who want to go even deeper into the stories of the mazes, how they're created, what the storyline mm -hmm. of the maze is, and all the Easter eggs that are hidden that you don't see when you're screaming through in the dark. Beyond the fog, go check it out. Interesting. Now, Jeff... Um... That okay, wow, that's it's a lot more than I thought it was from looking in the website. And I just looked at it cursorily to be fair. Uh, when I looked on the website, so uh, I'm now, I'm now thinking about it. I'm gonna have to talk to David about it and the rest of the team. But uh, if we were to do this because we're planning on doing the buffet at, at Mrs. Knott's, we'll have you and, done before the buffet, okay? Okay, so it times yeah. out perfect, yeah. perfect. It, you know we what we I was have to because we're the day show of the behind the scenes stuff, but it still has to operate at night, so right. It's the uh, bread and butter, bread and butter. We're leaving. You're coming in. Right. Edict. Brilliant. That's awesome. And yeah, especially knowing that you're behind this, 
that yeah and i love <laughs> scary farm so much learning it's, about history yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's not just gonna be hey here's a maze that we're gonna walk through it is literally oodles of information of every conceivable aspect of what the maze is uh i've walked through each of the mazes personally with the designers i've gotten all the stories all of the hidden things that the 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 painters and the prop people and the everybody else put into them again it's amazing what you can see when the lights are on and it's going to be really cool interesting now you mentioned three hours uh is it going to be like each tour goes through a few mazes and it can be you know each tour will be different you know or is it all the mazes or how, how's that how's that you work? get you get three mazes out of uh whatever's available because we can only use the ones that aren't being repaired from the night before if that makes sense oh sure yeah so it's a rotating every day that we do an operation will be a different combination so we can't okay. guarantee which ones you're going to get because we don't know which ones we're going to get got it got it okay makes sense all right yeah i'm gonna have to think about that i remember the price okay. was actually pretty reasonable i think it was 80 dollars. i think for that uh or 90 it's right around there. It's somewhere there. in that area. Uh, we're still, yeah. I keep to explain to people, we're still early in the run. Uh, we're right. still, nothing's happened yet. Yeah. Right. But you, right. You, no. get, you get a lanyard and a pin and the company of an amazing performer for three hours. And uh, uh, if you want to hang out, I, there'll be a lot of days where I'm just sort of bopping around the tour and answering oh, questions. Because okay. uh, even as well prepared as the tour guides will be, there will be somebody with questions they cannot answer so i'll try to be around for those the minutiae nice. okay right okay wow all right that's what i'm thinking about this awesome thank you all right well guys well thanks so much for taking the time to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit of two of the attractions from last year from scary farm and you've gotten me so excited for this year and i'm sure our listeners listening are to be excited as well um and just yeah thank you so much for everything today you're welcome this has been great. Great again. Awesome. We'll see you in Thank the fog. <laughs> Always. Yes, in the fog. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.